Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Passion Project Podcast, where everything you receive is real, raw, and authentic. I am Wendy 2.0, and as always, I have my business partner with me, Lisa Graham from Moon Over Pisces. If you are not currently following Lisa on social media, please do look her up, Moon Over Pisces. She is on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find her on her link tree uh, as Moon Over Pisces as well. You can find me obviously here on YouTube. You can find me on Anchor, Spotify, and a few of your other favorite podcast uh, platforms. I'm also on Facebook as Wendy Faye. And you can find me through my link tree as Uniquely Wendy. So give us a like. Hit that subscribe button if you're loving the content that we're giving you. We would love to hear some positive con- uh, comments from you. Just do all those awesome social media things and, you know, let us know that you are enjoying the content that we're bringing to you because we really do put a lot of thought into it every week as to what we want to share with you and hopefully help you along on your spiritual journey. So welcome, Lisa. I'm as always, happy to have you here with me. Thank you. It's been uh, quite a week. Um, <laughs> and uh, definitely the topic at hand today is very appropriate for what we've been through the last week. So today, what are we discussing? We're going to talk about shadow work. That shadow work. work. Everybody's favorite. <laughs> Everybody signs up for shadow work, right? Right? Tell me you all sign up for shadow work. No? <laughs> No, I'm nobody loves shadow work. <laughs> nobody loves shadow work, but shadow work is really important on your journey to fully rounded spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health. Because without shadow work, you can't get yourself physically healthy. You can try, but anything that you have not dealt with on the emotional, mental, or spiritual planes is going to manifest in you physically. Yes. So. Very much so. First of all, I think what we need to discuss is what the hell is shadow work? Because when I first heard shadow work, I was like, I kind of already knew because not from reading anything, it was just a knowing. But when someone says to you shadow work, you know, do people even know what that means? Um, It's been my experience that a lot of people don't. And that's understandable, Um, you know, to start with any kind of spiritual concepts are generally kept hidden from the masses anyway. And you have to do a lot of digging to find anything these days. But to me, shadow work is kind of, you know, digging around in the graveyard of your youth, (laughs) essentially. What are the things that happened to you? What are the things you went through? And, you know, how are they, how is that stuck in your body? Because quite literally what happens is that energy get stuck in your cells and we we forget to stay connected to our body enough that it just gets stuck and then so it begins manifesting itself in your life as physical pain emotional pain as reactivity indecisiveness and fear that's what it comes down to it leaves you living in that fight or flight state and so what it takes is actually learning about your own psyche. You know, we become, we, we end up becoming master therapists and doing shadow work because it puts you in touch with all those 
well, shitty emotions that you don't want to deal with, but you have to, because if you hold on to them, you hold on to all the yucky stuff in your life and you don't make room for all the cool stuff that you could have if you were living at your highest potential. I like to think of shadow work as looking at the dark side of the moon, right? You're not looking at the bright, happy, cheerful pieces of yourself. You're looking at all the muck and the guck you don't like. It's taking a look at your ego. It's taking a look at where you're being egocentric or ego-driven versus being heart-centered. And if you're not heart-centered and you don't know what heart-centered means, you definitely need to do some shadow work. So what often will precipitate shadow work to happen is something happens in your life. So for me, for example, uh, for those of you that have been following me for any length of time, especially if you followed me as Keto Warrior Wendy, you know that for me, my impetus for starting shadow work was the fact that my husband was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And then we started following a ketogenic lifestyle. When I started following this ketogenic lifestyle, all of a sudden, as I'm losing weight, as I'm hitting certain weights on the scale, stuff is coming up that got trapped at that weight. You know, I had a very traumatic first birth experience. That was one of the first things that came up. So that shows you like my traumatic birth experience was almost 30 years ago. Now it's 30 years this year, but it came up as one of the first things. Um, very often we need something that's going to trigger us to go. I've had fucking enough. And that was where I was at when, when we started losing weight and this stuff started, at first I was scared because I knew that this stuff was going to start coming out. As I hit certain weights, I knew there was stuff that was trapped and I was a little scared of it, but then it came up and it came out and I looked at it and I put it all into the proper perspective and I forgave the people. So lots of shadow work is all about forgiveness. I forgave the people who did wrong by me because trust me, a lot of people did a lot wrong by me in my first birth experience. Um, I had to deal with that. And then stuff started to come up. So you would lose, I would lose one layer and then something would come up underneath it. And then something would come up underneath it and it would keep going. Now I went through four solid years of shadow work. Not everybody is going to go through that. That is, so don't get all freaked out going, Oh my God, I'm going to be on the dark side of the moon forever. You're not going to be on the dark side of the moon forever. I was there because not only did I have really deep traumas from this life alone that I needed to deal with, but I had ancestral work that I had to do. I had generational work I had to do. And I did get breaks in there. So like when I say it was four years, it wasn't four solid years. It was, you know, do a couple months or so, get a break for a few weeks, do some more, get a break for a few weeks. Sometimes it was months on end because it was just all coming up super quick it all sounds like four years is a long time, but in the grand scheme of your soul and your soul's journey, four months or four years is like a drop in the bucket. And considering I spent 48 years in misery, four years to invest in pulling the traumas out of my body and dealing with them so that I could be this wonderful soul that you are either watching or listening to right now is really nothing. It's nothing. You know, and once you get through the journey, and I know Lisa wants to jump in here, I can see if she wants to talk, but give me just one <laughs> second. I just want to say, once you get morning. through the journey, it doesn't mean that you don't go back into shadow work. It just means that you go back in and it doesn't last as long. So yeah. I've been in about 
five weeks of shadow work because as you know, if you've been listening for the last month or so, you know, I lost a friend to suicide and my marriage is not in a great place. So the two of them happened together and it made me fall into a bit of a hole that I had to work my way through and start to grab the learnings and the understandings that I needed. So once you get good at shadow work, shadow work goes a lot quick, a lot more quickly than, you know, a four year span. So, so I, I actually wanted to talk about um, how my shadow work journey came about. Um, so in 2012, my father died. So this is how long I've been working on shadow work, nearly 10 years, because that was in June of 2012, my father died. And it precipitated me not only leaving my marriage, but losing my business, losing my house, losing my children, everything. I lost everything. Like if I had something in my life, it was gone. And so I went through a very, very intense year of shadow work at that point. And then I met my current partner and I was like, oh, I'm healed. Everything's great. And I really swept a lot of stuff under the rug for a long time. <laughs> and then I walked into real life. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I had a couple little things that would come up over the years, like, you know, but they wouldn't last long. It would be, you know, a few weeks and I'd be okay. But then I just slipped back into that depression. I literally lived with high functioning depression for 15, 20 years because I had no idea how much I had to unearth. Um, so again, like Wendy said, we've got to deal with the stuff that happened in this life, which was not, I've not had an easy life. Um, the stuff that happened with our parents, that generational ancestral piece. Um, and you've heard me speak before, my mother was in residential school. So there was a lot around that. And my father, his family went through World War II. So there was, there's both of those pieces. And, you know, if your families went through these wars, you've got these things going on too. And then on top of that, my guides went, Hey, here's all your past life shit too. Enjoy. <laughs> so, um, I'd have to say for me, it did, it did start again back in, um, mid 2020 when I learned how to do past life regressions and I, I started delving into that. And so that's what came up for me first was all my past life stuff. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm healed in this life. Cause I was in massive denial. <laughs> and uh, you know, then the universe saw fit to put Wendy in my path and go, um, no, your ego is like this big and you need to get your shit together. And I'm okay with that. Because yeah, now, now. Oh, <laughs> at yeah. the time, it wasn't awesome for either one of us, actually. So like, we will laugh and joke and kid through this. But I want you to know something. Lisa says to you, my mother was in residential school a year ago, she could barely say those words. So this is what the power of shadow work looks like is that Absolutely. a year ago, she couldn't even barely talk about it when when all of the grave sites and stuff started coming up here in Canada, for those of you that are not in Canada and aren't aware of our genocidal residential school history. Um, all of this was brought up as part of the narrative last year, right? Distract, 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 right around Canada Day to divide us patriotically. It was really fantastic. But when it first started coming up, Lisa was having a hard time talking about it. She was having a terrible time talking about it. And she couldn't talk about it without getting really angry and feeling all the feelings. Yeah. You see her now and she's like, you know, 
talking to you like it's just a fact of her life. This is what shadow work does is it just takes your life. It takes the power of the story out of your emotions so that you can use your story to inspire other people. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, the last year, yes, last year has been really hard, but there's been some fabulous, fabulous moments in, in being able to clear out that shadow and find inspiration and being able to make a decision and be present again. Those are huge things for me because I didn't know how to do those before. Um, you know, it, it's all well and good to have this spiritual connection. And I am grateful for every moment of that, but until you start really understanding your mental and emotional pieces and taking care of your physical body, there's no completeness there. Um, you know, and to be able to feel complete and whole once you start really losing those big pieces of that shadow. Um, I mean, (laughs) it's pretty amazing. You start to get to actually, you know what? Most of us are aware that there's a person inside of us that is screaming to get out. Yes. But we're going to start off here with fear. We're always afraid of who we're going to become. Will I? So I remember this. Will I even know who I am when I get to the other side of this? Will I recognize myself? Well, I am here to tell you that. It was scary as hell going through a lot of it, but at the end of the day, when I got to the other side of a lot of this stuff, I was like, I really like myself. I really like this person that's evolving, which is why I continued with the shadow work. So for those of you that are like four years, holy crap, Lisa, 10 years, holy crap, right? You start to shed off these layers, these layers of things that other people have put on you, uh, these layers of victimization that you've put on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Layers of grief, layers of abandonment and rejection and all these things that you're doing to yourself. You abandon yourself, you reject yourself, you're, you know, you grieve the life that you wish that you could have had, but you didn't have because of X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And you start to step into this empowered person who lives inside of you. This person that you've known all along was there, but we're too afraid to look at. Right. Because you were always told that person was too much, or you need to get your head under the clouds, stop daydreaming, be practical. And you have to do these certain things the way society says, but by doing that, we betray ourselves and make that shadow even worse. Absolutely. So we're going to start with fear because fear is the first thing that stops us from doing shadow work because we're afraid of what we might find. Okay. So you've all seen the memes on Facebook, on social media, somewhere, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, you know, wherever you're hanging out, Reddit, right. Where fear is false evidence appearing real, forget everything and run. But what if fear was more about the face, everything and rise or even better, I found another one today called that says fresh energy appearing rapidly. That's what happens when you start doing shadow work and you start looking at all the stuff that scares the snot out of you about yourself and about what's happened in your life. You start getting this new energy coming into your life and your energy starts to elevate. 
energy elevation, that means you're moving yourself out of the 3D matrix and into the 4D matrix, which, you know, Lisa and I have talked about. When did we talk about that last week? I don't remember. <laughs> I think we talked. I think so. Time is blurring. I believe Lisa and I talked about it on the podcast last week about Ascension. Yes. Last week's podcast was about Ascension and we talked about 3D, 4D and 5D. Shadow work moves you out of 3D into the 4D and eventually into 5D as you start to resolve all of these issues from a 4D perspective. Yeah. But we get really afraid. We have been programmed from the time we were little. Don't do this. What's the first word we hear from our parents? No. no. Right? Everything is no. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't say this. Don't say that. Don't dress this way. Don't think like this. Oh my God, you're the teacher's pet. You brown noser. So now you're afraid to shine your light and show people how intelligent you are because you might offend somebody. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you know, you can hear Lisa's mother talking. You can definitely hear people talking through me as I'm saying these comments because these are things that I heard. I was a smart kid in school. I was called a brown noser. I was called a teacher's pet. I was, you yep. know, I was that kid. So it made me ostracized from the rest of the kids who were, you know, B's and C's and quote unquote average you're not average the the freaking marks that you get in school don't matter okay can I just say that like (laughs) I will tell you never in my life have I used the Pythagorean theorem never I really wish someone had taught me budgeting but that's another topic (laughs) so fear holds us in place yes very much so very much so um I can use my first marriage as, as an example I wanted to leave for a very, very long time before I actually left that marriage because I was afraid. I was afraid of the consequences, but the relief of finally leaving that relationship and finally being able to work on myself, that was when I had that that first intense year of of shadow work because I had to let go of all the things that I've been programmed with for 16 years in that relationship. And I lost myself because I, I became wife and mother, not Lisa, the person I had no idea who Lisa, the person was. And at first I didn't really like who I was because everything my whole life, I have been told you're not good enough. You're not this, you're not that. Why can't you be more like this person? Why can't you be more like that person? My mother even went so far as to say, I was embarrassed to know you at one point. And when I, when I had done a performance back when I was, I don't know, 17 or so, but I was an arrogant 17 year old. I didn't prepare. It was my own damn fault. I knew it wasn't good. I knew it wasn't a good performance, but I'm embarrassed to know you is not the response you give your children in that particular, uh, you know, instance, you you know, constructive criticism along the lines of maybe you could have prepared a little more (laughs) would have been much more beneficial, but I held on to that for so freaking long that, you know, I, I think I only just really let go of that probably in the last six months. It's, it just, it sticks in our cells so deeply when we are uh, entrenched in those soul contracts with our parents and our families and things like that, that we don't realize the effect that it has until it slaps us in the head, basically. 
Yeah, you know, as a kid, and I, I know a lot of us who lived through like the 60s and 70s, we all lived in the households of, you know, what goes on behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. There was rampant abuse going on behind those closed doors. And those kids were coming out and they were either going one of two ways. They were going the way I went, which was I was scared of everything, including my own shadow, or they came out and they were bullies, right? Because yes. that's what they're being taught in their home. Yeah. Um I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of doing anything wrong because I always thought there was someone watching what I was doing and telling my parents. My parents always seemed to find out every single thing I was doing. <laughs> yes. As it turns out, I think my sister actually did a lot of the tattling. So my sister was going behind my back and, and uh, talking to my parents about what was going on. Because by the time I left my childhood, I had PTSD because of that. Mm -hmm. um, I was hyper vigilant because I didn't want to make a mess. I didn't want to not be perfect. I didn't want to like this. Can you imagine the amount of pressure you're under to be perfect all the time, every second of the day, because you don't know what kind of warped and twisted thing is going to happen when your parents come home and find out that you screwed up. Right. So you're living yeah. in this fear all the time. You're living in the fear. Like in my household, you lived in fear of what kind of a day did my stepfather had because you could have had a perfectly great day. Your stepfather is going to come home and now he's pissed off about something that happened during his day and he takes it out on you. Right. Yeah. And my parents, they just like, they had no emotional regulation. They had nothing like that. You know, I couldn't move the wrong way without that. So then I moved in with my first husband and I lived in same amounts of fear because he was, who he was I don't want a bad mouth in me I, I had three kids with him so you know for but they say that you marry who and what you know and I literally went from my parents house into his house which was kind of similar to what I'd already had and so I lived in a lot of fear of doing things wrong because he might come home he might yell at me you should have seen it the day when I ditched the car with our two-month-old our brand new two month old first time parents, I ditched the car, but I got the car out of the ditch. And I was terrified to call him. And he turned out to be really decent about it. He's like, did you get out of the ditch? Yeah. Did you learn a lesson? Yeah. Well, then there's nothing else I can teach you from that. I'm like, okay. But you know, as I went through life, I left my children with my husband and then I fell into victim mentality. And then I didn't do any shadow work. I just blamed everything around me for a really long time. So I went through 18 years of grief and re-victimizing myself. So then all this stuff started coming up and I was like, do I welcome this or am I afraid of who I'm going to be? I remember thinking distinctly, remember thinking about how afraid I was. To find out who I am mm -hmm. and now I look at where I am today and go I had nothing to be afraid of exactly. but we all have fears and that we're not talking phobias we're talking fears and these fears have been imparted on us by the people around us and by the experiences that we've had yeah right Absolutely. you for example as a woman okay let's just use this and I, I don't want to trigger anybody so trigger alert for anybody who's listening Women who've been sexually assaulted 
are automatically afraid to be with somebody again, because they're afraid that it might go down that path. And that comes down to trusting yourself, but it also comes down to how it has trapped itself in your tissues. I am one of those women. I had to work through that. It wasn't a lot of fun, right? Nope. No, I had to work through a lot of the same things and um, it actually really made itself prevalent over the summer. Um, I, I thought I'd worked through a lot of the things that had happened to me as a child, but you know, when you're 12 years old and things happen to you at school and you go home and the response from the parent is, what did you do to ask for it? These are not the types of questions we should be asking people in these situations. We should be asking, how are you? What can I do to support you? Those are the questions we need to be asking because that response trapped itself in my body as shame from the time I was 12 years old until last summer, until I finally went, no, I don't need to be ashamed. He was the one who was wrong, not me. I didn't do anything. Cause when you tell the same boy over and over and over again for a month that you don't want to go out with him at some point, he's got to get the hint. We need to teach our children that it is okay to say no. And we need to take our, teach our children that rejection doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Rejection simply means that that person's not interested. Yeah. You know, as you go along this shadow work journey, now I, you know what, I'm going to tell you a story that I have not spoken about on social media, and I'm going to keep it fairly vague. But as I was going through my shadow work journey, I had memories come up that I had no idea were there. So I had repressed memories come up. And I discovered that as a little girl, I was molested by a family member. I did not know how to get through that. The first 10 days were rough. They were really rough. And, you know, I might talk about it sometime and I might not. It was, uh, it was a very deep, very intense spiritual experience for me that, land, that ended with, you know, a really fascinating spiritual sort of ending. And eventually I did get some counseling and the counseling really did help me. But I couldn't get counseling right away because, as you know, in the world right now, there is a counseling crisis. There is a crisis mm -hmm. that, you know, finding a counselor on, you know, emergency basis is not as easy as it used to be once upon a time. Mm -hmm. So I had to deal with this by myself. And I did. And what it did was it just made me stronger and it made me more willing to be more open, more honest and more vulnerable with people because I was always and I Lisa will tell you. I am a little, so I know you guys can't tell this from these podcasts, but I am a guarded person. When I first meet you, I don't give you everything all at once. Like some people are just open books, right? I tend to like sit back for a little bit. Give me a few weeks, give me a month. Let me see who you are first. And then I'll see if I can, if, if my words are safe in your mouth. And that's what I need. I need to know that my words are safe. So that's a fear, right? That's one of those things. But for me, I want to be careful about who I'm sharing my deep thoughts with. So I tend to be somewhat girded. And, but once I get going, then you, you hear everything. It's like, it's like no holds barred. It's like, oh, my words are safe in your mouth. Okay. And they're like, whoa, wait a second. So Shadow work helps you become a more authentic human being and be able to speak about the things that happen to you um, 
from a more authentic, more vulnerable, more willing to share kind of a place that helps people to relate to their own struggles. Okay. So you don't have to be afraid of your shadow because your shadow is only you. What you do need to know is that there are people out there like Lisa and I who do shadow work with people. We have various, uh, various different modalities that we use to help people clear the, that shadow in a safe container. Yeah. I didn't have a safe container when I was doing my shadow work. I was my safe container. We want you to know that if you need a safe container, I have ways to help you. I just helped Lisa this morning. Lisa has ways to help you. She helped me last week, right? So we do healing on each other and we both have different modalities that we use to do that. It's a safe place for you to come and share your feelings, share your grief, share your fear, share your abandonment, your rejection, and all of those things, like all of those feelings that you think of, those are all the things that you need to examine as you're going through your shadow work journey. I actually just had a client uh, in the last week or so that I helped release a 50 year old abandonment wound. It was pretty, it's pretty significant what we can, we can do um, just releasing that energy for you from your body and the, the pain that it relieves not only emotionally, but physically too. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to, to out Lisa too much, but um, this morning she and I did some work together and I helped her release something from, you know, age of five that had been weighing her down so heavily and she didn't even realize it. Yep. So just know there are practitioners out there that can help you that you don't have to be alone. If you are going through shadow work and you're like, what the fuck? Cause that was there's a lot of what the fuck in shadow work. Yeah. And, and, and so many times we think, Oh yeah, you know, I've let that go, but if you haven't completely released all of the energy, it will come back up for examination. This particular piece from this morning was when my parents split up. I'm a four-year-old child. I hear noise. I get up because I'm curious. I want to know what's going on. I see my mother getting into a strange car and my father saying, don't worry, mom will be back in the morning. As you can tell, she wasn't back. <laughs> There's still some things there lingering. And we, we did release a huge piece of it today uh, because I can tell you, as I talk to you about it now, I don't feel nearly as angry as I did even a couple of hours ago about it. So again, telling your children the truth is hard. Tell them the truth, but tell it to them with compassion because they need to understand that it, it's not their fault that the adults around them have things they need to deal with. I tell my children this all the time now, because as I got older and started understanding what I had done and what I had put them through, the mommy guilt, ooh, do we, do we want to talk? No, we don't really want to talk too much about mommy guilt because um, I'm still working on that one. Um, <laughs> but it's part of the journey, right? Like It's part of the journey. It is. And, and to be able to you know work on this for me will help them in the future. And that, that for me, that's the ultimate goal is I can help my kids and their kids and, and try and clear out this stuff that we've all brought with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I might lose some of you at this point, but I had a realization um, 
about, well, first of all, I just want to pop back to something Lisa said about telling your kids the truth. The other piece about shadow work is you have to tell yourself the truth. You have to tell yourself the truth about you. Yes. You have to tell yourself the truth about how you really feel about things. And then guess what? You have to start telling people how you really feel about them. Yeah. And that's where shadow work can get really, it can get really scary. It can get really intimidating. It might make you want to take the lid and go back on Pandora's box and say, nope, I don't want to. But you know, once the lid comes off Pandora's box, once you start doing shadow work, you can't put the lid back down. You can try, but then it's going to start manifesting either emotionally, physically, or spiritually. So you don't want to be, you don't want to do that. Exactly. So here's where I might lose some of you because, and please know when I say this to you, this is kind of a downloaded thing from the universe. It also is some from personal experience. And I am not here to disrespect anybody's journey. So I would like to make that really abundantly clear. It's not that I don't have compassion. It's not that I don't have empathy. But I want to talk to you about grief. And I want to talk to you about grief from a perspective that you may not have thought of before. Oh, I'm a little, (laughs) I probably should have done some shadow work around this. Okay. So grief is a natural process. When something dies or something changes, we feel grief. Okay. Because something has ended, be it someone's life, be it a chapter in your life. You know, even grief can be bittersweet, right? But when we continue to live in that grief year after year after year, and I have done this, okay? So like, before we go any further, remember, I left my children with their father when I left my marriage. And I was living in grief for 18 years, okay? So I know what I'm speaking of when I'm talking about this. From my own experience, I believe that grief, when it becomes more complicated, when it becomes more complex, when we don't face our grief, we re-victimize ourselves over and over and it allows us to stay in victim mentality so i i see people on facebook you know um and i have friends who do this too where it's like i lost my dad 16 years ago and i'm just i'm so heartbroken and i'm so upset and i'm so this and i'm so wah 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 no disrespect but wah 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 and all i see is someone who is going back to the moment that they lost this person And they're using that as a way to re-victimize themselves, to allow themselves to sit in victim mentality, to not allow themselves to move forward from that moment in time that they have gotten themselves stuck in. I have a friend who lost her mother. My friend used to be quite athletic. But when her mother died, she gave all of that up and she has had a hard time getting back to that since because she wrapped it all up in this grief and now continues to re-victimize herself through this grief. If she was to do some shadow work, the reason that we re-victimize ourselves, by the way, is because of rejection. We've either rejected ourselves or whatever. We've abandoned ourselves. We have regrets, right? 
we've put people on a pedestal. They're human, guys. Just remember this. They may have been absolutely wonderful human beings, but I know for a fact that my one friend, you know, talks about her mother like she was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I remember what life was like when her mother was still alive. And there was a whole lot of not sliced bread happening there. Let me tell you. Okay. No disrespect. No disrespect meant just stating the facts that it was not a good relationship when her mother was alive. And now that her mother has passed every year, it's, you know, this big hoo-ha around her mother's death and she's put her mother on a pedestal and, you know, my mom, this, and my mom, that, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, did, did we live in the same reality here? So just know that I am not dis, dispassionate towards your feelings. I am not discounting your grief, but there comes a point where we need to release that grief. We're not put here to look at the ending of something and then continue to live from that place. We're supposed to empower ourselves and move forward. So um, I know Lisa has a piece that she would like to talk to, talk about with this grief piece that might help put a few more pieces together. But just again, just know, I know I'm justifying myself like crazy because I'm, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. Although really that's what I was put on this planet to do was offend people and make them wake up and, you know, hear the truth and all of that. <laughs> I lived in that victimized state that I put myself into for 18 years over the loss of my children. Okay. So I know of what I speak. I did this every year, like all the time. My kids would come to visit. They would go home. I would collapse to the floor and just sob my guts out. Did I need to do that? Did I really need to do that? I didn't, but I didn't deal with those feelings of losing my children, of walking away from my children. So it constantly was is in my tissues. And instead of responding, I am just reacting to the fact that my children aren't there anymore. So for those of you that are grieving, the, in particular, the death of somebody that meant something very deep to you, just know that you might wanna take a look at what it is that's driving you to continue to grieve. Because grief takes a while, 100%, but it doesn't take five, 10, 15, 20, the rest of your life. Yes, you're going to feel an emptiness where they were because that's love you don't have a place to put. So you take that love and you invest it back in yourself. Something I didn't know. And I want to share that with you. I mean, this is this is going to rattle, ruffle some feathers, but I really want you to know you can recover from grief and that you don't have to continue to live in that space. Exactly. So uh, like I mentioned before, my father passed in 2012. It was unexpected. He was still quite young. He was only in his late fifties. Um, I was, uh, I was 34 at the time and I was unhappy in my life already, but this was a catalyst for me. Um, he died in a car accident and um, he, this was when I was really first starting my spiritual journey and learning um, how to connect. And so he was actually very, um, helpful in me being able to develop my skills as a medium at the time, which was a wonderful thing. And I actually got to know him 
And through that journey, what I got to learn was when we hold on to someone when they pass, not only do we hold ourselves back in that victim mode and in that, that difficult space, we hold back the spirit of the person that we are grieving. They can't just go off and do their thing if there's, and it's especially bad when you have like a very large family who's, you know, grieving, you know, there's multiple people who are holding, essentially holding those energetic ties of that person to the earth space, because that's not, that's not what we're meant to do. When we cross, we are faced with looking at all the things we did in our lives. So that's enough right there. But also if we cross in a traumatic fashion, we have to go and heal. And, you know, and in my father's case, I'm, I'm sure it was difficult because, you know, I hadn't spoken to him for at that point, 14 years, but I'd only spoken to him, I think once in about a 20 year period. And I didn't mourn him. I mourned the loss of what could have been. I didn't have a father anymore. I didn't know how to deal with that. And so at first I held on really tightly because I was like, it's not fair. I lost my dad. I didn't even get a chance to try and fix it or anything until one day, about two or three years down the road, I was like, why am I doing this to myself and to my dad? And I just let it go. And it was wonderful. And he actually showed up in spirit and said, you know, thank you. I can finally go do what I have to do. Because at that point, you've let them go and he can go and heal and he can go and learn because that's our whole purpose as souls is to learn. So if you are holding someone that tightly, you're holding their spirit back from its full potential, just like you're holding yourself back from your full potential. Why wouldn't you want to fulfill that? fear <laughs> right i mean i i lived in this place where i was angry and i was who i was blaming everything around me right you know blaming my ex-husband i was blaming you know all the things, everything that went wrong. And I was living in that space. Like I wasn't even allowing myself to move forward because I was constantly, I could actually feel it. Now that I think back, there was an energetic pull back to the moment that I left my children with their father and the reactions that I got from there. And then the things that compiled on top of it. So instead of actually dealing with any of it, I just let it pile up. Right. Yep. The whole point of doing shadow work is to move yourself through. So I had a friend who committed suicide five weeks or so ago, and it took me to my knees. It really did. So I, I, when I'm talking about grief right now, you're talking to someone who's still grieving. <laughs> um, but as more information comes out and as I do more healing for myself, I'm starting to pull the pieces back together again. She wouldn't want me sitting here crying and carrying on about her. You know, she wants me to live my best life. And that was some of the first messages that I got was, you know, life is really short and it can go just like that. 
I, I can't sit in these emotions that are holding me back. Can I allow myself to feel them? Absolutely. And I have allowed myself to feel them. But I've also been given other information that has helped me heal because I was I was really having a hard time, you guys. I'm not going to lie. I was really struggling. But then as pieces of information started coming in from different sources, it started to give me some peace. It started to give me some understanding. It started because I was, you know, I talked to her the night before. So I talked to her right into the morning that she decided to take her life. And there was this piece of me that was like, how did I miss that? You know, like I know, and I kept saying, and Lisa heard me say it several times. I know this isn't my fault, but I can't seem to shake that. And it wasn't until I heard some information that came into me that I went, okay, I don't have to carry this. Right. Will I still mourn? Will I still grieve? Will I still be upset? Do I still think like, as I start driving down the street and think about the number of times I drove to her house? Yes. Do I think about her almost daily? Yes. I thought about her almost daily from the time we became friends. Do I miss the place that she held in my heart? Yes. But I can't live there. And you shouldn't allow yourself to live there either. It was more of the point of, you know, of telling you that this is where you're re-victimizing yourself. You know, it's bad enough to learn that somebody's died, but when you keep going back to that place, you know, back to that place, back to that place, back to that place, that's when you are actively choosing to be in that space. So, so with all that being said, what happens when you get to the other side of shadow work? What happens when you move through something that you've been carrying your entire life? What happens when you move through something that you're ancestors brought down what happens like for example you know lisa and i both have family that made it through world war ii what happens when you actually heal those bits and pieces pretty cool um (laughs) lots of really cool things happen you become more authentic you become more real in your interactions in your daily life you know um you learn how to set boundaries. You become more decisive. And especially when it comes to taking actions in your life, um, you just become more compassionate and you feel like a more whole human being all on your own. It's a fantastic feeling. Yeah. You're, you're more present in your life. You're, you know, how to respond versus react. So now you've done your, you're done your shadow work. Now things don't trigger you like they used to. Like, you know, when you have those hair trigger reactions, that's a reaction. That's not a response. When you have dealt with what's triggering you and causing that, you can take a step back. You can take a breath or two, and then you can choose what response you want to give to that situation. Exactly. And they they don't trigger you, not nearly as much. And even if they do, you're not going to outwardly, you know, you know how we like to like, oh my God, why is this happening? You're not going to do that nearly as much. I'm not going to lie. I still do it occasionally, but you're going to stop yourself and you're going to be like, wait a second. There's a reason I'm feeling like this rather than 
just throwing it out there, right? Yeah, you're going to start really recognizing what is triggering you. And you're going to stop for a second and go, why is that triggering me? You're going to start asking yourself the questions, which makes you more compassionate and more empathetic towards yourself and towards other human beings. Very much. I know for myself, when I did the shadow work that had to do with my family and working around, you know, them going through the war and having been in the camps and my great grandmother sold my grandmother to the soldiers for extra food. And, and the extra food was for my uncle, my great uncle wasn't even for my grandmother and her sister. It was for my great uncle. Cause you know, we all have to have someone propagating the family name. Um, and he was the golden child, right? But for me, I was in this meditation and I saw, and like, like you've heard me say this before, I'm not uberly clairvoyant, but I do, I, I have had moments of clairvoyance. It's getting better. It is a, since, since I, I, you know, finally said, okay, I'm going to stop messing around with all this clairvoyance and just focus on what I can focus on. Clairvoyance has been opening up. Also my twin accepting his clairvoyance has helped me open up my clairvoyance. So, but I saw this like, and this happened too, again, with my son, when my son did uh, some healing work with me, we did some really deep healing work that took him back through generations and things like that. I saw this like network, like a grid above me of like almost like a family tree. Right. And I watched pieces falling into place. So where there were holes and gaps, all of a sudden there weren't holes and gaps. When my son did the work with me, it literally sounded like there was a sound that came with it was right like you could hear these pieces just dropping into place and I was watching them all drop into place so and the other piece of it is the healing that you do that goes behind you also goes forward so I started doing shadow work 18 months into my transformation my son is hitting rock bottom this is how shadow work starts. Usually you're hitting rock bottom. My son's hitting rock bottom. I need to move back home. Okay. We get in the car and we start driving towards my house. And he looks at me and he says, I've been watching you for the last 18 months. And I want some of that. I said, all right, you want some of that? You're going to have to do what I tell you. So first thing we did was changed his diet, taught him about food. Then stuff started coming up for him, right? Admittedly, I have used psychedelic drugs to also help me with my shadow work, microdosing with mushrooms. I did a bufo journey, which is the smoking of the toad, which is super intense, but really shows you where everything needs to heal. What you need to look at, my brain spent six weeks rewiring. I came out of it a nicer, kinder, more compassionate human being, more understanding, more empathetic, just like it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but when you do this work, it literally relieves that weight of the world off your shoulders. Yeah. And it allows you to function from a place that's empowered instead of scared to death. Right. Exactly. It allows you to put your, your sympathetic nervous system to rest. So that's our fight or flight, right? You learn more and more ways on how to activate your parasympathetic nervous system so that you're calm. 
so that you're centered, so that you're grounded, right? Exactly. You become more heart-centered. You're not focusing on your life from a place of ego, I am. You're focusing on a place of how can I be of service, right? And then at the very last thing that we want to talk about is when you go through a big shadow work journey, you are motivated to want to help other people. Very much so. Very much so. It's a big part of why we do what we do. We want to help people heal. It's a big part of the reason why we do these podcasts is because we want to help you dig into some of the things that are happening in your life, dig in, you know, and start to learn more about spirituality because, you know, they cut that leg off the table, made you believe it's somewhere out here and your table's pretty tippy over here because it's missing a leg. Yeah. When you bring that spiritual piece in, it makes you a whole human being, right? When you start to dive into all of those things that are basically making you float through life. Like if you feel like you're going through your life and you're just going through the motions, you probably need to do some shadow work. Exactly. So any last thoughts? Just do the work, man. I'm telling you, it's worth every tear. It's worth every heart emotion. It is worth because even though there are moments I'm still like, oh, wow, who's that person? I really like who I've become. 100%. I used to be 275 pounds, really sick. I had a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And when I started to lose weight, I discovered that some of my bipolar disorder was caused by food intolerances. But the majority of it was caused by all the trauma I was carrying in my body. I have not had any signs of bipolar disorder since June of 2017. I am not medicated. Doctors keep trying to put me on medication. I'm like, no, I don't know what you're trying to medicate. I am perfectly fine. Most, I'm going to go out on a limb when I say this, but most mental illnesses are due to the fact you haven't gone through and dealt with your traumas. You haven't looked at your diet. You haven't looked at your physical exercise. You're not pouring self-love into yourself. And I know this because I lived it. So I lost 90 pounds. I lost trauma after trauma after trauma. And I mean, let me tell you, Realizing that I was molested as a little kid, not remembering any of that is a weird experience because I still don't remember it. I got enough flashbacks to let me know that it actually happened. That's it. My brain does not want me to remember. I don't particularly want to remember. No. But without that, I could not have helped, you know, my son put pieces together in his life without the shadow work that I've done. My niece wouldn't have picked up the healing torch and started to heal herself. So my son has done a ton of healing work. My niece is doing healing work. So it doesn't just spill over your own children. It spills over the entire family, over the next generation. So the healing work I'm doing is spilling over onto my grandsons. Yay. Hopefully they never have to go through much of what it is that I went through right? My grandparents went through World War II and never dealt with the stuff that happened to them then. I dealt with that stuff. 
So now, and by dealing with that stuff, I also have not allowed that stuff to perpetuate in my life through what has been happening with the narrative in the last two years. So my grandsons are not going to have to unwind all of my crap when they get older, because I've already unwound it all for them. So do the work. If you're not sure how to do the work, reach out to myself or to Lisa. Both of us have modalities to help you with your shadow work, with the shadow side of things, with, you know, any energetic imbalances that you might have. We are both proficient coaches. We are both proficient in doing shadow work because we've both done so much of it. Exactly. Um, we can help you, you know, learn techniques. We're both Kundalini Reiki master, te- uh, Kundalini Reiki master teachers. So we can teach you Reiki. Reiki is a beautiful way to do shadow work because it cleans and clears your energy and you can run it on yourself and empower yourself to do some of your own healing. And it's a little more gentle than some of the things that, you know, you may walk through on your own. So be sure that you, if you know, if you're not seeing a counselor, that you pick up some, somebody like Lisa or myself who can help empower you on your shadow work journey, but do the work. You will never, ever, I will tell you this right now, you will never regret doing shadow work. You might hate it while you're in the middle of it. Trust me. <laughs> I don't love shadow work. I started this off saying, who the hell volunteers for shadow work? Not this girl. Nobody. This girl does not volunteer for shadow work. But when it shows up, now I know what it is. I know how to move through it more quickly. And I also have supports in place to help me move through my shadows so that I can be this bright shining example of what authenticity and vulnerability looks like and hopefully inspire you to want to better your own lives. So with all that being said, thank you so much for being here. If you like this, give that like button a a hit. We would really appreciate it. Subscribe to Wendy 2.0 or Moon Over Pisces. And we will be back again next Monday with another titillating topic for you. So have a wonderful rest of your week. Namaste, my friends. This is the Passion Project Podcast. I'm Wendy 2.0, where everything you receive is real, raw, and authentic.